Yeah, man. Got mad love for you, girl. All that happiness, Olivia, is mixed up with a kind of sadness I had never seen in him before. You know, it's like that deep, soul-searching sadness that you see in like a dog's eyes when it's doing a shit and you're looking at him. Yeah, that one. That infinite sadness. Hello there, my pedigree chums, and welcome to episode 19 of Have You Seen This? Joining me, as always, the Scooby and Shaggy of the podcasting universe, Paul, I didn't Google it, Breen, and Ben, we don't fucking believe you, Mercer. Hey, chaps! <laughs> how are we doing everyone are we all right very good very good. hey hammond good to be here it's lovely seeing you wearing just to let people know at home hammond is wearing a shirt and a jumper for the first time it's nice to see him make the effort i'm mean, usually he's wearing nothing at all but you know I'll, I'll take that that's great not a shirt and jumper for the first time for the first time on the podcast sure mate whatever i don't normally go out wearing bin bags uh, and our guest this week is a man i have the pleasure of actually talking to on a weekly basis as we forge our plans for regional cinema domination it's only cody bloody Entwistle. hi cody hello how are you i'm not bad are you guys all right yeah very very good very good. good. Excited to be here. Right, so we ended episode 18 with a question. So I've got to start episode 19 with the same question. Breen Googled it, so we're going to discount him straight away. So Cody <laughs> my, or Ben? My, my default answer going forward is going to be, I don't know. <laughs> just, so, I don't do that. just so everybody's aware. So <laughs> I do know, but I don't know. Mm. <laughs> okay. When it comes to one of the greatest musicals of all time, Little Shop of Horrors, what was the name of the plant? So I... I didn't know this, but I did know this when I grabbed the clip for the um, the podcast edit last week. And, oh, I see. Uh, and, and now I've forgotten it again. So I'll tell you what it isn't. It isn't Dan, one of the blandest names for any character ever, which we'll come on to later. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, if you're listening at home, but that's a terrible name for a character. Um, so the plant's not called Dan. The main guy's called Seymour because of the song Feed Me Seymour. But um, no, I don't know the name of the plant. What are the Cody. chomping plants from Mario called? One of them. I, Goompers. Um, I don't know. I, I would have guessed Seymour, but you've just uh, counted that out. So I don't know the answer either. Come on, Breen. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, if your bottom lip sticks out any further, it's going to touch your microphone. Your sound quality is going to be terrible. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I actually don't know. I, do, I, I mean, when you say it, it, I'll remember it, but I can't remember it. I don't know. Well, obviously, he's in love with Audrey. So the plant is called Audrey 2. Ah, oh. there we go. Okay. And there we have it. And that's it. We're going to move on. I know it's quite a bit weak. I may or may yeah. not have written that question as we were recording the podcast. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Why, why change the habits of a lifetime? <laughs> exactly. Preparation, as ever, is key. Hey, mate, you stumped us, so well done. The point's yours. You're going to need a bigger film podcast. Fabulous then. Moving on then to our regular show pre-start, which is our big picks from the small screen, or maybe even the big screen. We don't. It's not even small screen anymore, I suppose, because cinemas are open and people like Cody, all they do is watch films in cinemas. <laughs> so it's a, a highlight of two or three things that we've watched or streamed outside of the two films in review. So we like to start with our guest. So Cody, what has been keeping you entertained? Um, I've, since lockdown started, I've actually been going back to an old habit of recording things off the TV. Actually oh, going through the TV guide. On like a VHS? No, I, I've not gone that far. <laughs> um, but actually recording stuff and then watching it, which, who does that anymore? Um, <laughs> my my mum, maybe? <laughs> so I my pick is The Remains of the Day. Nice. Which wow. I, I've seen many times, and it's, it's a film that just gets better and better and better every time I watch it. I love it. Mm. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's uh, 1993, I think it was, Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson in a very traditional British costume drama where you can't give any emotion, you have to keep everything in check, people drink uh-huh. lots of tea, it's amazing. Brilliant. Where, did, where is that? It was, it was on something like TCM or Film 4 or oh, something like amazing. that. But yeah, it's just absolutely fantastic and one of the best restrained love stories I can think of. Merchant Ivory, wasn't it? It is, yeah. Yes, during their golden period. I'd I'd say it's it's my favourite of theirs. I guess something like Howard's End. 
give it a run for its money, but uh, no, the remains of the day for me. Anthony Hopkins is incredible. Amazing. And recording stuff off TCM. Christ, they're beautiful. <laughs> wow. I didn't even know that channel was still going. <laughs> somebody, somebody at the TCM office went, lads, we've got another one. Got one. <laughs> I, I have to put on slippers and a dressing gown before I hit the record button. <laughs> Brilliant. Fabulous. Anything else? Linked to that, off the back of it, recorded another film, which is from the same year, Shadowlands, which again makes a great double bill for Anthony Hopkins in costume dramas. It's brilliant as well. Nice. Making use of that lockdown. Yeah. 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 Were you nice. prepping for the father? Uh, just watching a lot of Hopkins? No, I wasn't, but he, he definitely has periods in his career where he does nothing good for years and mm. years and years <laughs> and then does some great work I, I watched bad company with chris rock and him recently and regretted every second of watching it so <laughs> yes uh, there are definite periods where he is terrible but mm. 1993 was a great year for him um, i was thinking of that period around 2000 to 2002 three when he did mi two yeah. and he played the the chief in that and then also he was in red is it red dragon or one of the red dragon and his performance is a bit mixed in terms of his yeah and some people really like him in that but i i yeah no not that yeah it's it's like he listened to everyone that said being over the top as hannibal lecter is great yeah, so why don't exactly. you just turn it up a bit more <laughs> take what you do and like just dial up to 11 because we didn't think it was over the top yeah. enough. <laughs> so I've watched uh, something old, something new, and something TV uh, this week. So I got to see A Quiet Place Part 2, finally, in the cinema. Yay! Wow, what a film. It's absolutely superb. Uh, Krasinski really, really knows how to direct tension, action. It's just a, yeah, it's a great film, and I think it, it's certainly the equal to the original. Maybe it's mm. maybe it's slightly better. I, I, it's great. It's superb. So I thoroughly recommend anybody going to watch that. The more I reflect on that film, the more I really appreciated what it did really, really well. And the way that it it amps up that tension at the end and cuts between the three different narratives, yeah. like that's really complex yeah. and extremely difficult to execute. But it's so well done. Yeah, yeah, it is co completely like you said that you, you you don't all of those plot threads. Nothing gets dropped. You 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 feel yeah. the you feel the tension across across all of them. You don't none of them are sort of left hanging or diminished by the other ones. They're, they're all given equal sort of spacing within the, within the film. And it, he's been sort of quite a revelation with these two films in terms of direction. Um, yeah. It, it, it held that together in his mind. And, and so then good. in the edits was, was so well done. Then I watched Blade Runner, the director's cut, because it's one of my favourite films uh, of all time. Um, it's a ultra high definition version on Sky. I think that's the ultimate cut. Was... Uh, I think you'll find it's the ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, but it's it's the it's the best cut uh, anyway, mm. uh, certainly because it's got the the, the uh, unicorn sequence in there and mm. that's taken off the stupid voiceover. It's just uh, an example of perfect filmmaking. Um, it's for me, it's, it's really Scott in his proper pomp with every every shot is a paint it's like a painting it's just the the artistry and the and just the production design is exceptional it's in a wonderful film uh rutger hauer that speech at the end gets me every time it's mm. just it is a proper work of art that film so if you haven't seen it why uh and get, yeah. go 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 and go and watch it get the 4k the 4k is literally that is one of the best transfers i own uh, it is incredible uh, and the final thing uh, we sort of mentioned it briefly in previous episodes but i'm continuing to watch loki on disney plus sorry hammond it is it is exceptional the 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 last episode in fact the next episode drops today doesn't it to, as, mm. as we record but the, the episode from last week was amazing it's they've done a really good job in making each of the three tv properties that they've done so far distinct and unique mm. they've got their own voice their own tone and they all work individually but it's it's a fantastic show uh, and if you haven't watched it on the hammer will obviously never watch it because it's on the infamous disney plus his loss yeah get yeah get <laughs> on it it's a it's such a good show so yeah so those are my three picks this week i much prefer it to falcon and the winter soldier because it's just a bit more original it's doing yeah. something a bit more fun and it's really yeah. playing with that design i love the kind of faux 60s 70s yeah. kind of big brother style office yeah. that the twa operate in it's such a dynamic set and it looks incredible i love how yeah. owen wilson feels like he's been taken out of wedding crashes 
and put in this <laughs> and it works seamlessly i'm sure he even has the same dialogue in half wow. the scenes he does seem slightly less owen wilson than he usually is in everything else he does but it, mm. it's still owen wilson but yeah he's, he's almost pulled, reined it in a touch mm. but uh, no i loved it and the mid-credit sequence in the last episode was fantastic um and very much looking forward to the episode that dropped today I low key couldn't give a shit about Disney Plus. See what I did there. <laughs> Down with the kids. Got the language and everything. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched, unfortunately, Jim Jaramusch's The Dead Don't Die. This was tedious, pretentious wank that had subtext <laughs> less subtle than a group of football fans on their way to a match at Wembley on the tube, uh, which, by the way, I fucking hate you all. You're so loud. Please, just keep it down a notch, all right? Take it down two steps. But it's coming home. It's coming home, Mercer. Oh, don't it's start. Don't start. This is... <laughs> Benjamin, my advice to you is be somewhere around the Wembley area at about 9.30 Sunday night. You'll love it. <laughs> well, I think that's where Jim Jaramusch was when he's taking notes on this. Uh, indie zombie comedy in quotation marks, heavy quotation marks, because it is very unfunny uh, from a couple of years ago. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It has an insane cast. Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Chloe Sevely, uh, Tom Waits, Steve Buscemi, you name it. If it's on his Rolodex... This person is in his film doing a favour for him because I don't understand why these people are in wasting their time and talent on this piece of shit. He has the zombies in this cry out for the things they liked when they were when they were alive. So like you have like a, a woman going around saying Chardonnay, Chardonnay, and then another one's going coffee. Iggy Pop is in the film and he shouts out coffee, coffee, and then someone's shouting out TV, TV. I mean, it's quite funny to start off with, but eventually you're like, we get it, Jim. People like to buy shit. <laughs> wow. Well done. Take that, the man. Consumerism is bad. Yeah, like, fuck off. Like, I like buying stuff. Leave me alone. I absolutely hated it. Like, the first two thirds are kind of okay because you kind of don't know where it's going. And it is extremely boring. But Bill Murray and Adam Driver are extremely game. And, you you know, you get a couple of laughs every now and then. But by the time it, you get to the final third and it completely disappears up Jim Jaramosh's own ass, uh, I, I, I was completely out. Don't get me started on the UFO sequence. There's a UFO <laughs> sequence in this film. It's fucking terrible. Have you guys seen this? And did you guys like it? Mercer, can, I'm I'm not quite sure how you feel about the film. Can you can you just <laughs> can you just be can you just keep it more straight talking about it? I don't know what I was expecting, but it, it wasn't what I was expecting, and I was I was sort of bored mm. by a lot of it. I applaud wanting to do something quirky and different. I applaud mm. that, but yeah, it didn't engage me. No, I I watched it in Cannes and I was so excited to watch it. And like you said, it starts off all right. And those jokes are good to begin with. And then mm. they just get tedious. Yeah. And yeah, by the end, I was mentally switched off like most of the people <laughs> in the film. <laughs> Luca from 2021, uh, Pixar's latest slice of animation fun. It's sort of them doing Studio Studio Ghibli in a really sweet tale that has a lot of heart, but not a lot of originality. Its story beats are very broad. We've all been there. We've all seen it. It's all been done before. But do you know what? It's really funny. It's really charming. Its heart is very much firmly in the right place. The animation style is is just gorgeous. Obviously, Pixar always delivering spades when it comes to animation, but the particular style, the way they animate pasta and sort of like the Italian uh, countryside is absolutely incredible. And the underwater sequences as well, transcendent. Yeah, so it's a, it's really good, if not original, but a, a really sweet heartwarming time. And 90 minutes as well. Can't argue with that. Just over 90 minutes. Hammond can be a bad dad and not get Disney Plus to show his daughter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Mate, you're missing out on some quality content here. Uh, I'll live. It's fine. <laughs> Black Widow out today and on Disney Plus on Friday. Fuck you, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you may be surprised to learn that my watching this week hasn't been very highbrow at all, in fact. And some might call it hate watching, but that's not me. I'm not that guy. I started <laughs> I started with Masterminds on Sky Cinema, which is Zach Galifianakis, Kristen Wiig, about, I th I'm pretty sure it's based on a true story of a Loomis armed vehicle robbery. Owen Wilson does appear in it and actually didn't hate him in this see i have grown as a human it's it's really silly it's pretty terrible but it does have moments of laugh out loud comedy ben you would fucking hate this so <laughs> give it a go uh, <laughs> uh, next up a little film that just rolls off the tongue in 2019's extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile with the truly amazing zach efron but that being said this film really should have been called extremely average and shockingly banal not even efron could save this one you're nodding in agreement brain have you seen this yes yeah so when it when it came out obviously yeah it's based on true so i can't remember which serial killer it is now uh ted bundy ted bundy that was it uh, his performance is actually is really good uh i was you know it, it's um yeah but yeah the material 
sucked pretty much there was a do- document four-part documentary that came out around about the same time and the amount of stuff that they missed out the important stuff that they missed out of this film is ridiculous i just don't understand it. it's not yeah. even referenced so uh, so yeah not a, not a great uh, not a great watch yeah avoid Hammond. yes Hammond, is, is efron okay have you checked in with him recently because he's making some pretty shocking decisions recently he's making some amazing life decisions though okay like <laughs> Care, care to expand? <laughs> yeah. So, did you see the documentary series he made where he kind of travelled the world and he was trying like alternative therapies and different foods and all that kind of stuff? So it was great. Kind of opened his eyes to the world. So, as far as I'm aware, he's now decided to kind of live on the beach in Australia and try and get away from from the poison and and, and the stuff of of Hollywood and glitz and glamour and stuff. So he's kind of tried to take himself off the grid and live this life of freedom. I hate people who decide to go off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> but it does mean he's not making. Seth Efron so. can do whatever. He he wants to do okay but apparently a, a ted bundy biopic is not what he should be doing yeah it was from 2019 it's fine <laughs> he's over that now <laughs> that was so many years ago ben get over it <laughs> and finally i watched the final destination which is essentially final destination four and we talk to our guests each episode about guilty pleasures and the final destination franchise is definitely creeping up my list of guilty pleasures i really enjoy them they are always terribly cast awfully acted but such brilliant fun and so many really interesting ways to actually kill humans. So again, I watched The Final Destination because I was really tired and I thought it was the first one. Turns out it was the fourth one. But I'm going to go back and watch the franchise because they are rapidly becoming a guilty pleasure of mine. Nice. I, I was the first leading man in, in the movie. Having starred in White Chicks. Then this movie marked the beginning of motion pictures. White Chicks. Created a sensation. So on to uh, our next section then, which is our box office refund. And still, there is a box office. And some of us have actually had to do refunds in our cinemas. <laughs> over to you. Well, I certainly didn't have to refund anyone for Fast and Furious 9 because A, it's an amazing film, and B, we didn't show it at Pitch House. Fast and Furious um, 9 has... Pop- um, gone. Um, oh, yes, Ash- oh, sorry. Ashford showed it. Sorry. We didn't show it at the London sites. Okay. Um, oh. I'm in that. We'll cut all that out. Don't worry about it. Um, so Fast and Furious 9 has passed $500 million globally. It made $400 million globally on its opening weekend. And as per Variety, this weekend just got it is now surpassed $500 million, making it the first US-based property to pass that milestone since 2019's The Rise of... Um, the only... <laughs> The only other uh, US production to sort of get quite quite close is, um, as we covered before, is Kong versus Godzilla. Godzilla versus Kong. I don't know why I changed them around, but you know why not? Kong versus Godzilla. Come it's on, the sequel. They're, they're, you know they're they're level pegging. All right, they're both as big as each other. Although I think Godzilla is actually technically speaking bigger than Kong. Anyway, moving on. Four hundred and forty-six million dollars globally that film made, uh, which is not as much as Vin Diesel's latest opus. Having said that, though, off the back of it, my next news article is theatrical gross box office in the <laughs> EU and UK collapsed by 70% in 2020. What a surprise. Um, so this is from Celluloid Junkie. Uh, cinemas throughout most of Europe had to close in March 2020, as we know. While most theatres were allowed to reopen mid-May onwards, um, there were obviously a lot of screen caps and restrictions in place in most of the circuits, somewhere up to 50%, but sometimes even as low as 10% in uh, other European countries. Obviously, on top of this, most of the blockbuster films were pushed uh, into 2021, while some of them skipped theatres entirely and went straight onto VOD. As a result, the theatrical market collapsed, and as I said, cinema attendance plummeted 70%, which is an estimated 300 million tickets, which is down from over 1 billion admissions in 2019, which was the highest level since 2004. I love a lot of naysayers saying that, you know, cinema was already on its way out before the pandemic happened, but it is really important to say every time in 2019, it was the biggest year for the global box office ever on record. Obviously not adjusting for inflation, but if you look at the actual ticket sales, again, like those stats just speak for themselves. When do you think the industry is going to get back on its feet? Obviously, we're open now. We've got reduced capacity in the UK that is being removed in a couple of weeks time. Uh, the rest of the world, we just don't know when that's going to happen. So like, when do you think we're going to get back to the sort of the rebound, the bouncing back, as Alan Partridge calls it in the cinema? I think we're in for a very calm, quiet summer. And I think quarter four is going to take off. Ghostbusters, Bond. Top Gun, Bond. West yeah, Side yeah. Story. I think I think we're in for a massive, massive end of the year, straight into awards season. Um, yeah. I think as cinema managers, let's just bide our time, 
but I think yeah, let's get through the summer. Um, Fast nine will only get us so far, but yeah, I can't I can't wait until Q four. I think that's when the industry as a whole will see a massive bounce back. I think it'll be Bond. Bond will will pull people back in who had been reluctant mm-hmm. before. I think that that's that's always the one that that pulls those even it, those people that only attend the cinema once a year. Uh, you know, it's uh, Bond tends to be the one that that pulls them through. So yeah, from that point on, I think it'll start going insane. What do you think, Cody, as a programmer, what are you most looking forward to? I, I completely agree with you guys. It, considering people's habits have been so affected, you do need that one huge, reliable title like Bond to get people back in and to get them reassured that, hey, cinema's great, cinema's safe, mm-hmm. let's keep coming back. So, yeah, I, I think Bond will be the one that kicks the door down and then what follows it will will be good and we'll start returning to the figures that we expect to see. Yeah, totally. And finally, in a light piece of news from more cellular headlines, a car crashes into a local Gloucester cinema toilet. I love this. So I'm it in the podcast. So this is the story of um, a local independent cinema based in Sherbourne. It is the... Oh, so Sherbourne's the name of the cinema and it's based in Gloucester. And this is a car crash that could have been a total tragedy when an elderly woman managed to back her polo into a car, which then went straight into the toilets of this local cinema. Uh, Mark Cunningham, the owner, said it could have been a total tragedy if someone had been in the toilets. It could have been horrendous. There would have been someone totally flattened. I don't think so. I've seen the picture. It's quite tame. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, lady driving the polo was obviously quite elderly, and basically she just reversed her car, and I assume her foot slipped off the brake pedal. Lovely stuff. <laughs> the picture did look like it was a 1970s social club, so the place is <laughs> yeah, probably falling down anyway. I'm, I'm yeah. just picturing the toilet falling down like in Jurassic Park just before the guy gets eaten. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> sitting there with a newspaper or something as this car goes in front of them. It's what I imagined. I mean, it kind of been doing a roaring trade if it was closed at a 2pm on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, bless it. Could, could we also just uh, t- take a moment to, to mention the passing of uh, the m- passing of Richard Donner, the man uh, created a legacy. You know, he was the the man that reintroduced Superman to the world in the seventies. You believe a man could fly? Uh, Christopher Reeve, Lethal Weapon, uh, The Goonies. That's Richard Donner. I mean, it, it's you know the, he boy did he know how to make a film. But, uh, yeah, it's a very very sad loss. I I totally forgot he directed Scrooged, which we were talking. Yeah. About. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what a legacy he's left behind. Yeah, he's had a really very career. Very sad. On sale now. Moving on to our guest interview section. And so this week, Cody Entwistle. Cody is currently a film buyer slash programmer for Picture House Cinemas, having formerly worked for View Entertainment and Arrow Films. And it's over to Breen. Okay. Hey, Cody, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, so, a question we usually start with. So, uh, what started your love of film? And do you remember the first film you saw and which cinema you maybe have saw it in? I do indeed. So, my love of film, I was more of a video store kid. My parents rarely took me to the cinema, but we would go to the video store and rent a film pretty much every Friday and I'd watch it with my whole family. Uh, So that's what started my love of film. But my first film in a cinema was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Nice. I grew up on the Isle of Wight, so there was a one-screen cinema about 15 minutes walk from my house in Lake where when the adverts were playing at the start, uh, someone would come out with a sock puppet, singing along to Pavarotti, trying to sell ice creams. (laughs) It was weird, man. It turned into a carpet <laughs> store after it closed down. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was my first. Was one. that standard? Wow. Was that standard practice in the Isle of Wight? Oh, I, I'm <laughs> going to assume so. I I don't think I went to any others as a kid. So I just thought every cinema did that. Brilliant, brilliant. For a future episode, can we try and track down sock puppet guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how how did you get started in the industry, Cody, and, and how did that lead to where you are today? The route that I guess loads of people have taken of I as soon as I turned eighteen, I applied to work at the Cineworld uh, Newport Isle of Wight. So started as just a multifunction. I think they were called multifunctionals back then. They were. They were. So just doing whatever I got told to do on shift and then worked for a couple of other chains. I worked for Odeon while I was at uni and then worked for View. And I guess unlike some of you guys, I, I was never a cinema manager. I somehow went from being that to doing some admin at head office 
and then becoming a marketing assistant at head office and then eventually into film programming at View. Um, so I skipped wow. the manager level. Can you verify a rumour for me about Cineworld Isle of Wight? Yeah. <laughs> when it opened, did some of the locals come down just to look at the escalators? Yes. That is 100% <laughs> true. That was the, I fucking hoped. That was, I the, hoped first, was the first escalator on the Isle of Wight, I think. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, it, and isn't it a public thoroughfare still? Like yes. people, have, people walk through the cinema to cross the road to get to the other side? Yeah. The amount of times working at a close and you just be like, wait, one a minute, all the films have gone in. Yeah, just going through, mate. Yeah, it's a public, <laughs> a fucking right. public footpath. That is brilliant. Wow. Thank you so much. That's made my day. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, so, so you were at View for a while. Where did you go from there? Uh, so I was working at View and then... I guess this this tends to be a th- you either stay in programming or you go to a distributor. So I eventually took the leap and went to Arrow Films to become a, a theatrical sales manager and hated it. Um, oh it's it's wow. not a slight on Arrow at all, but I think especially at smaller distributors, you have to you have to have something about you that doesn't mind persistence and constantly being told no mm. and. I'm not a particularly pushy kind of person, so it it just it didn't work for me. So thankfully, a uh, position came up in the pitch house team, and uh, I was friends with Carol, and she offered me the job. Thankfully, because she knew I wanted to get back into it. Fantastic. So, so what does your role with the pitch house film program team entail? Uh, ultimately, a programmer decides what films get shown in the cinemas that they're responsible for. Often those decisions are financial and political. Uh, I wish they were a little more personal. And sometimes we do get the chance to program to our taste and what we think audiences should see on the big screen. But most of the time it's financial because cinema is a business. And then beyond that, it's a lot of admin and just (laughs) regular tasks, which... That side of it's you, definitely you get less to go and watch films, though, right? Yes, we do. So <laughs> every film that gets played in the cinema is watched by someone, one or two people in the team, and they advise and write reports and do box office comps and things like that to help the team decide where we should play films. Obviously, maybe maybe it's some of the films you've already seen, but uh, are there any films in particular coming out this year that you're really looking forward to? Or that you think people should look out for? The ones that I'm most excited about I've not seen yet and will be those Q4 titles that you mentioned, Ben, that will be great for us. Dune and uh, The French Dispatch are my two that I'm most looking forward to. Nice. Mercer, over to you. So on this pod, we like to talk about guilty pleasures. It might be a concept that you don't particularly gel with, but I think we just need to carry on steering the course, guys. As a podcast, I think it's really important that we find out who likes what and where and why. And that is a film that you. <laughs> that is a film that you. Are you losing faith in this in this section? No, no. Master, I, think right? I think it's mate. I think it's the best. Se- Getting the tattoo next week. <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure across my arm? Um, so, a guilty pleasure is a film that you absolutely love and adore, but perhaps just miss the mark in terms of its critical commercial uh, success. But you you can't get enough of it. You think it's absolute gangbusters. What film is that for you? I, I love this section, by the way. I, I, I loved <laughs> Alex talking about Avatar to complete crickets uh-huh. with, with you guys. <laughs> um, my guilty pleasure, I absolutely love The Girl Next Door. Oh. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> Tumbleweed rolls yes. across. Let me, just in, let me just insert a cricket sound effect here, just making a note. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. love that film. It's, Explain. Um, <laughs> It just come off the back of a bunch of those real teenage boy fantasy style comedies. But I, I think it's really good. The soundtrack's amazing. The cast is amazing. And there's actually genuine emotion in the film, I think. It, it tries to derail that by putting in a bunch of stuff that makes it slightly problematic watching now. <laughs> But uh, I, I think there's there's enough there to begin with and the people that are making it to, yeah, I, I could watch it on a monthly basis. Is that the one, I, I could be wrong, with the the, girl, the woman who played the daughter in 24? Yes, yeah. Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. yeah. 2006. Yeah. It was going to be the next big thing and where is yeah, she? Yeah, never happened. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I love that film. 100% fulfills the brief. <laughs> Couldn't have more hit the brief. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, fantastic. Um, for those of you that haven't seen The Girl Next Door, don't. <laughs> you, you, could, you could probably find it in every charity shop you come across. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. people think of that film. The Academy Award for Best Picture. La La Land. Thank you to our incredible cast and crew. We lost, by the way, but, you know. No, no. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. It's not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is this is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Hello. Warren, what did you do? I, I opened the envelope and it said, la la la. I knew I would screw this show up. Great. On to our regular feature, which is our in-review section. Uh, two films this week picked by Breen. So what you got for us, Paul? Okay, so let's get this one out of the way first, shall we? <laughs> Although, although I'm, I enjoyed it. Don't know why. So the first one is The Tomorrow War, the, a new film which is on Amazon Prime, uh, directed by Chris McKay, starring Chris Pat, Yvonne Strahovski, and J.K. Simmons. Okay, none of you are my child. Has anyone seen Muri? Yeehaw! <laughs> are fighting a war 30 years in the future. Is this a joke? Our enemy is not human. We need you to fight. You got drafted. I will be back. Why is this happening? What about the teacher's deferment and the veteran's deferment? If I don't go, they're going to draft you in my place. But if something does happen to me, you and Miri will be taken care of. If something happens to you, Dan, 70% of draftees do not return. Plot is a family man is drafted to fight in a future war where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. So, <laughs> as, as I said, I actually, this was better than I expected it to be. Normally with mm. these supposed big screen ideas, when they, you know, we've talked about the Netflix problem in great concepts, poor overall delivery. Yes, I think it, it certainly sits in that in that bracket. Uh, I believe it was a Paramount property that Amazon bought for two hundred million. It was supposed to be a theatrical release, but then obviously the lockdown uh, inevitably got in the way. I hope they can uh, receipt. It- <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing new in this film at all. You can go well. That's that film. That's been stolen from that film. That's been stolen from that film. But I was engaged from start to finish. Don't get me wrong. It's not a good film, mm. but but I was engaged from start to finish and uh, and and actually was that must have been surpri- a slow night in your house <laughs> uh, was was, surpri- was surprised that I, it, it finished and and I thought I'm actually going to have to say it was is all right no how engaged no. were you if you if you're there like basically ticking off other franchises that this film does maybe, rip off wholesale. Maybe that's why I was engaged because I was I was making a list. <laughs> maybe <laughs> the which bring one list they, has returned. Which one are they going to do next? Much like the film itself, I kind of wish that we could go back in time to before recording this episode <laughs> and turn up on the, on the pitch at Wembley during the semi final and go, guys, don't review this film. Um, <laughs> There is nothing wrong with a monumentally stupid movie. I have a lot of time for a lot of stuff that would be considered, I mean, guilty pleasure, yes, but just also just stupid, stupid blockbusters. But, you know, they need to make sense within their own logic. And there are two problems here. First of all, it tries to address some of the issues in the script and the narration, uh, some of the problems that it has with its own logic, like why take people from the past? Why not go back in time before the aliens even turn up? Like some of that stuff is addressed, but then for all the stuff that you're not addressing, you're just going, well, this makes absolutely no sense. And then you just end up with like a load of people who are completely untrained combat wise, who look like they're about to just do a a round of laser tag and they're being whisked (laughs) into the future. Seven days. The world doesn't end on a schedule. Uh, we're not ready for any kind of appointment. We don't even know what we're going on here to You'll do. Get your assignment in the LZ. Stay on comms. You'll be contacted as soon as you land. Some of these guys are very green and they all need to go. Why can't someone stay The research facility is under attack. It's the last lab left studying for white spikes. If it's lost, the war is lost. And also the actual effect of them being pulled up into the air looked so stupid. You're just there going, well, why? Why is any of this happening? And I think secondly, and more importantly, 
This film just isn't fun. Chris Pratt, who I really like in Jurassic Park and Guardians of the Galaxy, the sort of swashbuckling charm that he has in those films is completely gone here. And yes, we mentioned it earlier on. His character's name is called Dan. And Dan is a very bland man. (laughs) Dan is so bland. Why, Dan? Why can't you just be a bit more engaging? And the film just doesn't know whether or not to have some fun. There are other characters in this that getting the sense of how stupid and how hokey it is. And they're having fun, but they sort of turn up and then go disappear again and then reappear at the end. So sometimes you've got these bits which are, are so po-faced, so serious, so like dire. And then you've got J.K. Simmons just making a wisecrack after they've disposed of the aliens. Like, could you have not have just shouted die at the alien earlier on? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's really problematic with its own set of rules. And it just isn't fun. And Amazon Prime, please stop making films that exclusively occupy the dark blues and dull greys. It's just <laughs> it, the, the whitewash of, uh, or, or the, the sort of the colour palette for the film. It's like um, Without Remorse as well. It's just, it looks really bland. Yeah, I, I really, I, I, had, I really didn't like it. It was really bad. Do you know what I love about Mercer? <laughs> I, do you know what I love about Mercer is, is he always leaves a level of ambiguity in his reviews <laughs> when he's talking about things because you, you're never quite sure. You're all there. Get off the fence, Ben. What, what do you really think? <laughs> I'm trying to be more positive about some of these films, and if you don't take this too seriously, it's probably a decent popcorn flick. But to even concentrate on it. Even briefly, as a mildly serious alien slash time travel thriller, it unravels so quickly and it's just no good. Chris Pratt for me was unfortunately the wrong man for the job. I kept expecting it to be funny or have some sort of comic slants. But when I realised he was trying to play it straight for the most part, that's when I found it the funniest because he just can't do it. (laughs) A a good sign of a film to avoid is when you load Amazon Prime and the first nine banners you see are for a film. Just don't press play on it. They are trying to force it down your throat so hard to get some sort of returns on it. This it, it, it was just poo. There's my comment. <laughs> Cody, save it. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to, I'm closer to Paul. I, I, I did have fun watching it, even though it is a bad film. But I think the biggest thing wrong with it, you have to see that at the cinema. That's, that's the enjoyment in that. You watch it with a couple of people and have a beer afterwards and tear it to pieces afterwards. Not, you know, turning the TV off and then going to bed. That's yeah. not the fun yeah. way of watching it. But so I think it's a shame it wasn't released in the cinema. But as is usual with these things, they, you know, the, the, the time travel element doesn't make sense. Uh, as well, I, I struggled to find many films that actually create some semblance of coherence. I think maybe Bill and Ted is yeah. <laughs> probably one some of the few films that actually try to actually make sense of the time travel element. So there was I didn't understand why he if he changing if he was going to change the past. Obviously, that would then change the future. So why would he want to go back to the future to save? It, it just didn't make sense. How did they never reload a gun? <laughs> he shot like <laughs> yeah. 85 bazillion bullets. Not one reload. Incredible. <laughs> if you're left wondering these questions, then again, I don't think the film is working. And it's also, and none of you mentioned this, it is too long. Yeah, why, it is. Is this, yep. why is this film yeah. two hours and 30 minutes or whatever it is? It doesn't yeah. need well, to be we, that long. We level this criticism at a lot of films, don't we? It just mm. seems to be the... Yeah, I don't know Yeah, why everything needs to be this. It's editing. Editing, please. Sam, Sam Clements has got it right. 90 minutes or less. Bosh, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. On to pick number two then, Paul. So the second film is in cinemas. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, the second film is Another Round, which is directed by Thomas Vinterberg, starring Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Thomas Bo Larson, Magnus Milang. Men jeg har lyst til at starte aften med lidt champagne. Det lyder dejligt. Øh, jeg er bil, jeg skal bare have en dansk mand øh, uden citrus. Uden citrus, ja tak. Ja. ja. Hæft, det er godt det her. Øh, ja, det er sgu synd, du er så fornuftig. Godt. Men spørgsmålet er, hvad der i virkeligheden er fornuftigt? Der findes en, en norsk filosof. Han øh, mener, at mennesket er født med en halv promille for lidt. Altså, jeg må sige, jeg kunne da godt sådan bruge en halv It is a story about four high school teachers who consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how it affects their social and professional lives. What do we think of this? Imagine getting the feeling in life and in general that maybe you're not really trying anymore and you sit down with like to dinner with three of your best mates and they not only confirm your hypothesis that you are basically just not even you're phoning it in at this point, but actually you become a bit boring as a result of it. I love this premise. It is such a great concept and it could lead off in a number of different directions. 
and, and no doubt there's a Will Farrell Apatow produced comedy in the works right now. But <laughs> what writer and director Thomas Vinterberg is, is more concerned with is rooting the drama in his main four characters. And although Mickelson is taking up a lot of the advertising campaign for this film, don't be fooled. It is actually a, a, an even hander. It spends a lot of time yeah. with his friends as they embark on this experience, uh, on this experience and on this experiment. And as a result of the excellent writing and the performances from all four, you are pulled into this group of friends and you are up there with the highs and you are heartbroken during the inevitable lows. And these lows do really kick you in the gut. I was genuinely euphoric in the screen when they were having a blast, but was queasy with anxiety knowing that the fall was going to come. And although it didn't go in the direction I expected, when those lows happen, you're, you're really pulled along with it. Mickelson has always been fantastic, but in this, he is next level. The way he controls his, his craft and his body at the end with that dance sequence, which you, you, know, you can see yeah. on YouTube now, uh, it is absolutely incredible. This is uh, the best film of the year. It might be the best film of the decade. I, this is a masterpiece. I loved The Hunt, uh, the last collaboration, but this is this was fantastic, and I'm I'm getting welled up just talking about how great this is. I I can't disagree with anything you said there. It's it's so much fun, but unlike the Tomorrow War, it it backs it up with it's actually it's intelligent and it's it's a question like you say it's a really good concept. And I while watching it, I was desperate for a drink, <laughs> and, and then like uh-huh. you said when it when it goes to the lows. I was still desperate for a drink, but, <laughs> but I was wondering what would happen when I have that drink. It's, yeah, it's just great. It's a great idea, and it's executed brilliantly. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a fantastic film. Uh, the the actual yeah the the philosophy or or the 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 concept, if you like, is is actually a real thing. You can you can read about it online. And I think the the other really interesting thing for me, the performances, as you say, are exceptional across the board, but. I've, I genuinely thought, well, they must have actually got drunk for that scene. But apparently, at no point did they drink at all during any part of the production. They actually went to drunk camp to learn how to be drunk. At, That's great. <laughs> at all all different levels. So, and it's the the over you know the completely and utterly plastered scenes. You know, you can sort of approximate something for for that. For, for me, the performances were best when they were at that low, that low level. Of consumption, where there was just a hint of it in the system, it was so mm. subtle, but it was incredibly well played. If I have a criticism, and there really aren't many, there's only one. There's one thing that I think just sort of butts up against what I think is the the, the message of the film. And there's there's the one of the the characters, one of the teachers, um, and it's the it's the story of one of his students that has trouble sitting exams. The resolution of that, that, that sort of seemed to butt against what they were trying to say about alcohol consumption. And that, that's the only thing that I would say is for me is a criticism of the film. That one had a positive resolution when the rest of the film is intimating that it's, it's not, yeah, it's obviously, it's not, it's not a positive thing to do, to do what you're doing. And it, and that, that one just slight, ever so slightly jarred for me in, mm. in the rest of it. But wow. What a movie! The yes, it's, it's this is completely performance uh, driven, and they are exceptional across the board. And you, mm. you said you feel those highs, you feel those lows. It's yeah, it's a it's a masterful piece of work, and uh, it was a privilege to watch it. Like you say, that one has a slightly positive, or has a positive one compared to the others. I like that because I think mm. that's what people are like. Not everyone that drinks has a drinking problem. There's some people where drink is a positive thing for them. Mm. Whereas there's, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that suffer from alcoholism and the effects that that causes people's lives. But there are some people that do benefit from the courage that alcohol can bring them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but the, the, for me, so the message of the film was that that it it isn't the answer, but for that one little thing, it was. And right, it, so that, okay, for yeah. me, just just sort of seemed to just butt up against for me the overall message of the film. But you know, it's just a person personal thing. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's because that's your reading of the film. I didn't get that message from the film no. at all because it ends in such an ambiguous way. It doesn't definitively say drinking is bad, drinking is good. And that's what I love about it. It, it is so open to interpretation. So if that's your reading, then absolutely that storyline probably didn't work for you. But for me, the ending is is left up to you know whatever you take away from it. And you know, like Cody, like I liked the resolution of that storyline because, you know, literally it ends with well, I don't want to ruin it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to ruin the ending, but um, yeah, it, it, it ends in such an ambiguous way. It doesn't definitively say drinking's bad, drinking's good, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, and even the subtlety of when Mads Mikkelsen meets his wife at the bar towards the end of the film, and again, she uses a glass of wine as probably the best prop seen in that film, where she's gripping onto the glass and shaking and taking gulps of it and stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah I mean, Breen, you mentioned exceptional, and that that was my my one word review of this film. It's a truly exceptional piece of work. I went into yeah. it thinking that Mads Mikkelsen was the absolute star, seeing the seeing the marketing campaign, and Ben, you're right, all four characters. It felt like I was watching four leads. The guys just absolutely lit the screen up, and the way they bounced off each other was absolutely phenomenal. I loved this from start to finish. You ride the highs, you, and it, but it's done in such a subtle way. So you're riding the highs, and you're not smacked around the face with kind of the low and thinking, oh, you can sense it coming and it builds yeah. and builds and builds and then brings you down with it. And then, yeah, the, the crescendo was absolutely amazing. I've got, I do have some notes. Um, <laughs> I thought you were just making this up. It was paraphrasing what we were saying whilst we were talking. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I even love the stuff like even when they, they added the montage of drunk politicians, I thought was an absolute yeah. masterstroke because mm. it, it mm. peppered in a real sense of humour to kind of bring you again out of, out of a slightly darker space. And I'm totally on board with any film that features a synchronized drunken dad dancing scene. I'm all over yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. it was, I, I thought it was wonderful. And before this leaves the cinemas, I am definitely going to watch this back on the big screen again because it, it deserves my full attention for every last minute that this is being shown for. It's wonderful. I'm not sure whether I can live through that level of anxiety again. You know, like you said, Mercer, about just waiting for the you're waiting for the thing to drop uh, and it all to go wrong because mm. uh, you're right the, i just was on edge from the moment they started the experiment and just think oh yeah. God, what's gonna happen what's gonna happen but my my, my main t- one of my main takeaways is i want to know what happened to the dog uh, <laughs> yeah let, let yeah. me know what happened to the dog yeah even the i mean <laughs> the relationship between tommy and specs like when you first introduced them you're thinking well he's just he's just a mean old drunk but actually the relationship between specs the small boy and tommy the PE mm. teacher becomes something beautiful yeah um and then the final you know again no spoilers but the final scene that you see specs in is is just lovely heart heart wrenching and just lovely lovely can i also just celebrate this film celebrate the filmmaker thomas vinterberg uh just for getting texting on film right for a change (laughs) i am sick and tired of like tony stark style visions popping off phones like when people Mm -hmm. are texting or even just over POV shots of people texting on a, on, a, on a phone. like No filmmaker seems to get it right, but this is fantastic. Times, new Roman font, centre of the screen, black and white, loved it, with just the, the sound effect of the texting. I thought it was, ah, oh, what, what a, <laughs> well, wow, fantastic. Well, actually, what, what we haven't mentioned is this is in the Danish language and subtitled, mm. but we were all so absorbed by it you immediately forget you are watching a Danish language film and reading captioned at the same time. It just draws you in. Every performance makes you forget that you're watching a subtitled film. It's it's so, so good. One out of two ain't bad. One out, one out of two. Yeah, I mean, again, Paul, you gave us the highs and the lows. Uh, I was going to say, that's you... probably my favourite film of the year and my worst film of the year in, in one foul sweep. There you are. Well done. I think Without Remorse was definitely worse. Yeah. For sure. Then um, whatever that piece of shit is, we watch tomorrow <laughs> land, whatever it is. Uh, tomorrow's world. <laughs> uh, tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. <laughs> I'd rather watch reruns of Tomorrow's World than that. <laughs> In fact, Cody probably got those on record for next week. Yeah, TCM marathon. It's time to stretch and fetch. See what's cooking at our refreshment counter. You'll find our favorite foods and beverages. Popcorn with hot melted butter, grilled hot dog, popcorn, all kinds of candy, crispy hot popcorn, fresh french fries. How about a pizza? Mop watering chili dillies. Everything is the finest quality. Hot dog, you can Sparkling soft Barbecue sizzling hamburgers. chili Brilliant then. So on to our in-scene question. And this week it has been inspired by another round. And I want to know who is your favourite on-screen drunk? Who's going to use Whiffle and I then? I reckon it's going to be Paul. Me. Yeah. Me. Yeah. There you yeah. are. Got it. Has to be. Oh, uh, there was this one time Richard <laughs> Dreyfus played a wonderful drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he has actually. Uh, it, it's, it's in Jaws. Uh, but uh, no, with Nail and I, Richard E. Grant, as with Nail, is... A tour de force performance, uh, just an absolute whirlwind blowing across the screen and just the energy 
is insane. So many quotable lines. It's, uh, it's I mean, it's every student's go-to film, no matter what era you're born in. The thermostats, what have you done to them? I haven't touched them. Then why has my head gone numb? I must have some booze. I demand to have some booze. I wouldn't drink that if I asked you. Why not? Because why not? I don't advise it. Even the wankers on the site wouldn't think that. That's worse than meth. Nonsense. This is a far superior drink to meths. The wankers don't drink it because they can't afford it. <gasps> have we got any more? Liar. What's in your toolbox? Don't we have nothing. Sit down. Liar. You've got antifreeze. You bloody fool. You should never mix your drinks. It's an exceptional piece of work. It stands up to repeat viewing many, many times. And dare I say it, Richard E. Grant's best performance. I don't want to say do detriment yeah. to, to, to the man because obviously it was one of his first roles, but he boy, did he peak early. Uh, yeah. And uh, just that everybody in that cast is exceptional, even down to the uh, the policeman that screams, get in the back of the van! We're <laughs> um, <laughs> with Nail and I and Richard E. Grant. Can't get better than that. I think if there was ever a definitive answer for this question, it's the sad pathos that he has as that character. Watching what happens after the party stops in like epitomizing just one character. Yeah. And the delivery of that Hamlet speech at the end is just incredible. I I think it's that definitive that I purposefully put a second answer because I was certain (laughs) someone would say Widmer. So my... I've got uh, Randall Pink Floyd from Dazed and Confused. Ooh, yes. Who, it, he's never entirely drunk, but he's, he's at a level for almost the whole film. Not to indulge in any alcohol, drugs, sex after 12, or any other illegal activity. <laughs> oh, my shadow. Later, baby. Found that in your glove compartment, man. Hey, you know you're the third person who's given me this today? God. But what do you reckon you're going to do? Oh, I don't know, man. I'll probably end up signing it. I just don't want to give in so easy. Man, it's the same bullshit they tried to pull in my day. You know, if it ain't that piece of paper, some other choice they're going to try and make for you. You got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do, man. Let me tell you this. The older you do get, the more rules are going to try to get you to follow. <laughs> you just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> I, I love that film. I think it's great. I think it's... It captures, especially kind of outdoor parties and stuff like that, how people wander and how it just, it's, it doesn't take place around one table. It spreads out and you see different characters throughout it. Um, and I, I think him as a character more than, say, Matt McConaughey in that film, he's great because of the way that he interacts with different groups of people and how he has that drunkness with different people, be it, the cops, the stoners, the jocks. Uh, yeah, I just think he's an incredible character. That's an incredible film. Nice. I've never seen nice. it. I really want to get that ticked off my list. Oh, yeah, you should, yeah you should definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a shame that we specified drunk character and not a character with a drinking problem because my favourite character of a drinking problem is Ted Stryker in Airplane. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> a brilliant choice. See? There we go, see? So the scene where he announces, I have a drinking problem, and then throws a cup of water into his own face, um, will stay with me until the day I die. Yeah, but we specified drunk character and not drinking problem. So again, wanting to avoid with Nail and I, which was my first choice. Um, I've gone fairly obvious, and I've got a real soft spot for the Pirates of the Caribbean films, even though I don't think I've seen anything after Stranger Tides. I think that's where I stopped, and I've probably done my... Yeah, exactly. I think I've, I've... called it at the right point. So yeah, so I can't avoid Captain Jack Sparrow, played by Johnny Depp, who obviously based it on the guy that should have died 85 times over by now, <laughs> Keith Richards. And then um, appears in the film. And then yeah. appears in the film. But yeah, it's just something about the first Pirates film, seeing Johnny Depp as Captain Sparrow really drew me in and I, I fell in love with the character and the way that Depp played it from then on. So yeah, one half answer, one real answer. Hey! You! Get away from there! You don't have permission to be aboard there, mate. I'm sorry, it's just, it's such a pretty boat. Ship. What's your name? Smith. Oh, Smithy, if you like. What's your purpose in Port Royal, Mr. Smith? Yeah, and no lies. All right then. I confess. 
It is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew in Tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer my Weasley black guts out. I said no lies! I think he's telling the truth. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it to you. It's a shame that franchise has gone the way of the Dodo, because that introduction, that first part of the Caribbean film, is fantastic. It's yeah. such good fun. And the introduction specifically of Depp's character is incredible. The way mm -hmm. that he comes in on the mast and you think he's on the tall ship, but it pans out and he's actually on like a sinking little dinghy. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. So, so what, what are you saying, Ben? Disney ruined something? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Colour me look, shocked. <laughs> look, you know, they get things right. They get things wrong, right? For every, for every Last Jedi, which was a genius film, as we all know, Paul, you get A Rise of Skywalker, which was an absolute turd. Who knows this? Who knows the last year? <laughs> That's good true. film. Jesus true. For, for, for every Herbie Goes Bananas, yeah. there's something else. <laughs> exactly. Well, sticking with Disney, I've gone for something uh, a bit sweet and a bit twee and a bit charming for my choice for best drunken performance. And I really, really like 2014's Big Hero 6. Specifically Baymax, I think he's one of the best on-screen uh, animated characters ever created. Okay, if my aunt asks, we were at school all day. We jumped out a window. No, it's quiet. Shh. Shh, we jumped out a window. You can't say things like that around Ed Gas. Shh. So there's a great bit in this film where he runs out of battery and essentially it's just a bit of fun. It's just a bit of drunk acting fun and they have to sneak back into the house and just be as quiet as possible and the robot just is not complying at all. And there's this amazing bit where I generally snorted in the cinema when I was watching this where he's petting a cat <laughs> and, he's, and he's just saying, hairy baby, hairy baby. It's, it is so, so good. I mean, the, the drunk scene from Big Hero 6 is such a good shout. It's so, so good. Brilliant. And sometimes for these questions, I come up with a best and worst, and I've got an absolute humdinger of a worst answer for this, and that is 2007's National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. Nicolas Cage, <laughs> in his genius performance, playing Benjamin Gates yet again, returning uh, for the sequel to the first uh, film from 2014. He tries to break into a Buckingham Palace, and as he's breaking in, he has to do a bit of drunk acting, and he turns into this Scottish caricature. <laughs> as the police are trying to like escort him off the premises he's just oh my god going to detain a man for drinking his whiskey like, it's absolutely <laughs> insane have you have you guys seen this no. film it is yeah. incredible no, I mean I don't, oh, I don't remember him becoming Jamaican but... <laughs> no, but, but no honestly listen to it it is not Scottish at all alright if anything Brilliant. I did a better rendition just then <laughs> good afternoon sir hello been drinking, have we? Just a nip. Just pop down to the pub for a pint. Bit of all right. Going to arrest the man for that. Going to detain a blighter for enjoying his whiskey. It's all right, that's enough, sir. Beggars and mash. Sir? Balls and squeak. What? Smoke your pie. Sir? Haggers! That's it. Dismount the banister. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Here they are. No! Let's go again! He does not... Brilliant. Some amazing picks there. So I guess it's time for me to tell you what we're watching next episode or for next episode. Is that now? Are you looking down at your screen to decide what we're going to watch right this second? No, <laughs> I wrote these at least 20 minutes ago. So uh, I, want, I want more excuses to actually go to the bloody cinema. And I've gone to two wildly different ends of the spectrum for my choices. Um, so they're going to be new-ish releases by the time we get around to recording slash releasing episode 20. So my choices are Deerskin, a film that looks so batshit crazy, I think I'm going to love it, um, about a man who becomes obsessed with his jacket and it causes him to blow his life savings and turn to crime. And because we want to have a suggestion, a hint perhaps, of being family friendly on this podcast, and I want Mercer to watch a sports film. Uh, and the first instalment of this formed such a massive part of my childhood. It's Space Jam, A New Legacy. The long-awaited oh, sequel starring LeBron James, who oh, I am mate. sure... Um, Have I mean, you seen the trailer? I want to watch it. Shocking. <laughs> I want to watch it. I don't understand why people like Space Jam. It's not a good film. Have you watched it recently? I rewatched it recently and it does not hold up. <laughs> I fucking love Space Jam. It's so good. I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, I haven't seen it since 1994, but... <laughs> 
Well, Ben, don't try and ruin my childhood. Stop it. So we're going to watch it. Fuck it. We're going to watch it. Do you know who LeBron James is? Basketball? Yes. Well done. So we are almost done. It is just time for me to give you this week's question. Now, we spoke about Chris Pratt in his guise in Tomorrow War, Tomorrowland, Tomorrow Something. So he appeared in a film that was Oscar nominated for Best Picture in three consecutive years. What were the three films? I don't know. (laughs) It's the right answer. Uh, Do you want me to give you the years? Will the years help? I think I know this one. Awesome. Give me the years, though. It's like around 20... It was 2011, 2012, and 2013. Awesome. That is it from me, Cody. So good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod this morning. Thanks for having me. Paul, Ben, an absolute joy as always. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. And that is it from me. Cool. So again, I'll just echo Cody. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. So everybody, if you want to get in contact with us and if you want to try and find us on the socials, uh, if you look for us at seeing this pod on both Facebook and Instagram and seeing this underscore spot, spod, seeing this underscore pod on Twitter, <laughs> uh, seen spelled S-C-E-N-E. If you want to drop us an email, it's seenthispod at gmail.com. Please be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. Please be safe. And please, most importantly, be in a cinema. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers. Cody, do you want to say some goodbyes? Plug anything? Do anything you like? Go nuts. No, just keep coming to the cinema. And if you haven't been back yet, come soon. Couldn't have put it better myself. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Have You Seen This with Paul Breen, Ben Hammond and myself, Ben Mercer. The main theme is the Godzilla theme tune, remixed by myself, with beats supplied by Lander. Please like and subscribe if you've enjoyed the pod and please check us out on Facebook and Instagram forward slash seen this pod, seen spelled S-C-E-N-E. All views and opinions are those of their hosts. So like dire and then you've got J.K. Sinems like cracking one off and it just, it just totally cracking doesn't Cracking one off, I think... I- <laughs> Where did your mind? Yeah, you might, you might, you definitely need to rephrase that. You're not cracking one off. That's not. You certainly watched the wrong film. Do not think that <laughs> yeah, something be... <laughs> cracking one off. <laughs> All right, sorry. Making a wise crack. The tomorrow wank. Tomorrow wank. I mean, that would be a better title for this film. <laughs> Ooh.